Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the English with Grace podcast. This is a centralized hub for students, teachers, and English language learners to practice their English and listen to the differing opinions of other English speakers. The content and focus of this podcast will vary, and my goal is to introduce listeners to a variety of perspectives, backgrounds, and experiences as we discuss topics that are also presented in my English with Grace conversation classes. So I'm very excited to have you here. I hope you enjoy this discussion. And of course, like and subscribe if you like it. And I look forward to seeing you in some of our upcoming conversation classes. Okay, uh, I am back with Jan. And on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about his experience um, in Africa, specifically in Kenya, maybe even Somalia. Jan, if you want to talk about that. Um, but my first question is, how did you uh, end up in Africa? What led to your experiences there? Uh, long story short. So when I was 18, I decided to go to Kenya as a volunteer for two months. I lived in a, a Maasai village. Uh, Maasais are the local tribe, um, famous for their, for their red dresses. And so I was volunteering for two months, uh, teaching at a primary school, uh, living in the Maasai village. And I really uh, loved it. So I uh, tried to come back every year. And then I started coming back um, twice a year and um, to other countries as well in East Africa. So that's how it started. Then I started working as a tour guide. I also did um, some uh, research related to security, terrorism, um, extremism. And later on, uh, we also started working on a project um, of, of a kindergarten. Mm -hmm. That was my next question, actually. Do you want to say more about this kindergarten? And okay, wait, pause. What, what were you teaching when you went down to volunteer? Language or just teaching elementary school? Uh, so I was basically helping with anything that was needed. When I was teaching, it was geography. And uh, yeah, I think it was just geography because they have, they have only four subjects. Um, they have uh, English language, Swahili language, mm -hmm. uh, then uh, mathematics, mm -hmm. and then this sort of social science or just science mm -hmm. and part of that is geography so I, was, okay. I, I really liked geography so i was helping with geography okay i lost track here so then you did all this volunteering you started doing tours and then tell us now about rael's school yeah um so exactly as you said i was uh, doing tours uh taking uh tourists to africa and then a few years later um I was given a piece of land in Western Kenya. I was given uh, this land by local people. And together with the local community, we decided to uh, build something useful that they need. And this was the, the preschool mm -hmm. or the kindergarten. Mm -hmm. um, there was a school, there was a primary school nearby. So, so that was something they, they don't they don't need they, something they didn't need. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a secondary school, but there was no kindergarten. Um, so, you know, for uh, for kids from two to six or seven uh, years of age. Mm -hmm. um, 
So we decided to, to help them and we started fund, fundraising. And so after a few years, we were able to build a kindergarten, which now can take up to 110 kids. Awesome. Uh, I've always wanted to ask you this question. What was the biggest challenge uh, during that process? So when you started the kindergarten, not the kindergarten, the Rael School, uh, mm. what, what do you feel like was your biggest obstacle with that? Well, I, I think it was getting the money because yeah, you start from scratch, uh, you have nothing. We didn't have any organization. Uh, we didn't have any rich uh, families, friends, uh, sponsors. So we were literally starting from scratch with, you know, contributions like, you know, we got like $5 here and there. And it took us, um, I think, almost five years to, to get the whole amount of money needed for, uh, for the building. So then we got it. And then in 2019, we were uh, then able to, uh, to open it. Mm -hmm. uh, what has been the best part of that experience for you? The best part, um, I guess it's just seeing the kids, you know, being happy and being at, at the school. Um, so, yeah, that's the best part. They're really enjoying it. Yeah, that actually leads into the next part and the reason we were going to talk about this. So Jan has invited me to volunteer um, at Rael's school this summer. I told him I'm thinking about it. But Jan, can you convince me? <laughs> to volunteer in Kenya this summer. Uh, what is what is that like? What do you do? Uh, how long are you there? Just say more about that experience. Okay, so this experience um, will be uh, hopefully taking place in June. And uh, I'm planning to go there for about a week in which um, we will have several placements so the first placement will be in the kindergarten um, uh, we need some help with uh, teaching and playing with the kids uh, we want to paint the walls of the school the remaining walls we need to do some reconstructions uh, we need to uh, do some maintenance work at our um, our Okay, how do you uh, playground? Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to do some um, some gardening uh, work as well. We we want to plant um, some fruits and vegetables. So that will be one part kindergarten. The second part, uh, the second team uh, of of volunteers, will be visiting, monitoring, taking photos of our orphans. We have uh, about third of uh, all our kids are uh, either orphans or partial orphans. That means having just one parent. And uh, we uh, sponsor them, we support them. They, they don't need to pay uh, school fees. Mm -hmm. um, and we would like to monitor, monitor them, uh, take photos of them and their homes uh, interview them, uh, you know, get to know their, uh, their life situation mm -hmm. and, um, you know, um, see if they need some additional help, what exactly can we do uh, for them. And we have already about 40 of them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's exactly one third of all the kids that we have. Yeah. And 
this so, so this will take some time you know if you have a week um you know to 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 visit all these 40 kids and yeah. their caretakers it it will take some time so this is the second thing and then the third is um building a library and a coffee shop or something oh. that something that we call a coffee shop but it's going to be more like uh, it's, we're going to sell coffee as well but it's going to be more sort of um community center okay so anyone from the community can come there yeah exactly uh it, it's going to be together with with the library so there'll be a library attached to it uh a, a coffee shop uh which is going to serve as um as as a community center where anyone can go and and visit and have tea um you know meet with friends and mm-hmm. and then um, borrow a book and read it there have mm-hmm. have a tea or coffee or something like that and then just yeah cool okay i have another question so you were given this land mm-hmm. uh, by a local how involved is the community like are all of your teachers where do your teachers come from do you feel like it has a heavy check presence or mostly run by local kenyans it's it's entirely uh, run by uh, by Kenyans. Um, we don't have any Czech staff there. We have only Kenyans um, teachers, head teacher, um, cooks, uh, security guard. Everyone there is is Kenyan. So mm-hmm. so the community is very much involved, and we ask them what do they need, what do they want, and what can they contribute in order to get it. So, for example, if we ask them what do they want and they say, okay, we want a library, then we say, okay, but give us a land uh, and they they give us a land. Okay. They they have land, but they don't have money. So we do the effort uh, to get the money, Mm -hmm. but they need to also do some effort. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's it's just incredible uh, the work you're doing. Uh, I wanted to ask about Somalia, if you want to talk about that. Are you still involved with Somalia? Are you still trying to do the same? I mean, are you trying to do the same thing um, that you're doing at Rael's school there? Uh, or what, what's going on in that department? Not, I'm not much involved because I don't have um, time for it. So that What? You seem be... like you have tons of free time right now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> behind with everything oh um, and yet here you are taking the time to do your dear friend grace a favor and come yeah. on my podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um unfortunate it's very unfortunate because that was really one of my dreams and one of my goals to do something in somalia mm-hmm. and i i am pretty sure and I, I i hope that i will still do something there later mm-hmm. but not at the moment because now there is there is really no time uh, to do to do anything and of course it's not possible to travel to somalia with which makes it even more difficult and complicated yeah. okay. if i could go there safely and you know talk to the community um take pictures bring sponsors directly there it would be way easier to do some projects there but this is yeah. not possible so it's, it's okay i have one other question what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding about Kenya, maybe Africa as a whole. I feel like people tend to talk about Africa as a country when it's actually a continent. Um, so as somebody who has lived and worked there, do you have any like 
maybe big misconceptions about Africa or anything that you could share with people who don't know a lot about it? Misconception. Hmm. Um, I think there will be quite many. Uh, so people generally uh, imagine that they people people believe that Africa is entirely poor, that uh, everyone there is poor and desperate to uh, go to Europe or, or elsewhere, and that's that's not exactly that's not exactly how it is. Um, the other misconception is that it's it's entirely dangerous, and that that's related to thing with being poor mm -hmm. um you know there are places in africa that are much safer than any place mm -hmm. in europe or the us yeah. um and sometimes these places are quite surprising you know if i if i just told you that for example rwanda is the safest place in africa rwanda which experienced uh, this um, um huge uh, genocide mm -hmm. um or or eritrea uh, which is also uh, super safe. Um, and, you, know, they, you can walk there um, at night alone, woman, and mm -hmm. nothing will happen to you. So in Prague, this could be slightly risky, at least in some parts of Prague. Yeah. So, so that's, that's um, a misconception. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I actually didn't realize that Rwanda was so safe. I would have been one of those people who would have thought... Uh... Yeah, and not just dangerous. that. You know, it's 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 also cleaner. Um, mm -hmm. They have better roads than we do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, Rwanda is is an example of you know it's people when when people arrive in Rwanda they are full of misconceptions and they are, they they are very surprised yeah. when they see it. Yeah. Okay. One more thing. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going up with questions. There are a lot of different countries in Africa where uh, the official language is English. Do you know uh, any of those countries off the top of your head? Um, I like to bring this up to students just because I like to teach that everyone has an accent and mm -hmm. different accents are okay. Uh, you don't need to speak with an American or a British accent to speak English fluently. Um, do you know any of those off the top of your head? Or the official uh, language is English? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, so it's the English or the British colonies um kenya tanzania uh uganda uh yeah i'm thinking if that there will be more but yeah so i think in nigeria right people speak english in nigeria nigeria yes i think nigeria as well south africa uh, south africa yeah um it, it's mostly east africa okay I'll have to look up the list. And then there are a few that obviously have uh, French. Um, I've heard I, I of a think, couple that have Portuguese. Yeah, there are a couple that have Portuguese, like uh, Mozambique. Yeah. Um, there is a, also there are a couple that have German, uh, but I think the most are French. That's basically the entire Western Africa. Mm -hmm. they, they, have, they have French. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Uh, yeah. I'll have to look up the complete list. I'll add it to the <laughs> to the link of the podcast. So it is now time for uh, the last part of the podcast, which is a quote, expression, or idiom uh, related to today's topic. Jan, do you have anything that you would like to share? I have one. I have one which uh, I like. 
I, I wish I could use it uh, for my life, although I, I, I can't yet. Uh, so, so this quote is falsely attributed to uh, Edmund Burke. It says that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for a good man to do nothing. Oh, wow. The only thing, repeat it. Repeat the it. only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for a good man to do nothing. Wow. Okay. That's a powerful one. It is, right? It's, it's a good one. And it, like people usually say that this was, um, the, the people usually attribute it to Edmund Burke. But according to the research, he never said it. So that's, that's, that's a misunderstanding. Uh -huh. um, I don't know who is the author. Okay. I was going to say, you but, don't know where it comes um, from. Yeah, but uh, I think it's a, it's a good one. Uh, what does it make you think of? I think of so many things in the world, I guess, right now. But the only thing necessary for the triumph of, e triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. Like, yeah, what do you think of when you hear that quote? What I think is that if, if we just, if we just get, uh, stay silent, if we just watch other people suffering and then don't, don't do anything, then you know, that's, um, uh, we are almost complicit, I would say. Yeah. And that is just as dangerous, if not more, than the people who are truly evil and doing like these terrible things. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because then we allow the evil to do these things. Yeah, it makes me think of the silence is violence. People say that a lot, but just, I guess, making sure that you're standing up for what's right. Yes. Which you are, Jan. You're a perfect example of this. So that's a great quote. I'm glad that you you mentioned that. Um, I'll add it to my, my board of quotes. <laughs> okay, Jan, thanks again for sharing your experiences on the English with Grace podcast. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the English with Grace podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did like this episode, please go ahead and like and subscribe and keep an eye out for more episodes coming soon.